Thank y'all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry podcast brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. I want to give a big shout out to all of those who made our 2,000-mile road trip last week possible. Uh, we are back in the studio, uh, a little hungover, uh, a whole lot more sober, and ready to get back to work. And I had someone... Uh, that I got introduced to off of uh, Miss Gabrielle Stone's podcast the other day. She messaged me. Uh, and uh, Miss Natasha Sadler, did I say it right or did I already mess it up? That's okay. You're super close. It's Sattler. Sattler. Okay. So close. See, but see, I'm from the South, though, darling. So we can get away with it. We just got to throw a little grin and slang in there with it. You're fine. I. It's not the last name most people mess up, actually. Natasha. Oh, well. <laughs> I, have I get a, a lot of I get a lot of like Nata show when I'm called Nata show. Yeah, when I'm called for like automated messages or something, and I'm like, I don't understand how you got there. Uh, Nat, Nata show isn't real people. I mean, automated messages isn't real people anyway. No, you're good. But it's a, South is Natasha. Natasha. Well, you, it could have went that way real quick, like to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so you have a book that is coming out, and it's entitled "Shit Adults Never Taught Us." Yes, and uh, you—I've got to read a little bit that you sent me, and uh, I think you've got a fucking home run sitting there. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I think that you have something extremely cool that you're doing, and uh, I can't wait for all my listeners to. Uh, to get a chance to hear about you, Miss Natasha. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I listened to your podcast with Gabrielle the other day, and I was like, well, if this doesn't align perfectly, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was definitely a good one. I've got a lot of people that have hit me up since then, and um, I've had to weed yeah. through some of them because uh, me and Gabrielle, we hit it off. Um, yeah. And just like our mindsets, how we talked and everything – there's been a couple that have just been like, no, nah, I'm not a good fit for you. Like, I, I, I feel like um, I'm whiskey and you're tea. And sometimes, oh, yeah. it, it, sometimes those things go together, but not all the time. And uh, But when I sit, read some of the stuff that you had on your Instagram, I was like, oh, no, me and her get along. Yeah. So, so explain. <laughs> yeah, you're whiskey. I'm vodka for sure. Ooh, you're also a redhead, aren't you? I am. Redhead, uh, natural redhead, uh, terrified to dye my hair. I'm don't so you scared. ever dye that beautiful red hair that God gave you. Well, thank you, but eventually it's all gonna go away. It's gonna go gray, and do I'll you be... realize though how cool redheads look when they turn gray? Thank you, because any day now it's gonna it's gonna start happening. Oh, I'm bullshit. in my thirties now. <laughs> oh my, I'm thirty three, and trust me, I've got them in my beard. But you got a while. You, yeah, you got some. You got some red going on there. Yeah, that's that's all red. I'm way too pale to do any other color. Honestly, I would look like a ghost. You know what I call it here in the South? It's called trailer park skin. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I went to college in Florida. I've heard oh, that. you are trash. Yeah, I can be. I, know, I live like, in LA I, now. I, I, I gotta like... pretend I'm cool. You should have stayed in the, with the trash people. They're they're way cooler. You know, Florida's a very intense state sometimes, and uh, uh, there's a lot of good and a lot of weird there. I think I speak for the rest of the South when I say we don't claim Florida anyway. Like, <laughs> like Florida's not part of the South. I don't know what the fuck it is technically. I think it's what just, it is is it's it's four or five states in one state. Yeah, it's just North Cuba to most of us. <laughs> um parts but, of it yeah <laughs> but anyway so tell us before we get uh back to our irish heritage here um 
tell me and everybody listening what uh what your book's about and how it came to be. So my book is called Shit, Adults Never Taught Us. It was about 100 chapters. I just got finished with the edits and everything. It's now 96 chapters. It's split over four different sections. The first part is career and money shit. It's all the career and money shit we were never taught, like 401ks and taxes and how to negotiate a raise and get your security deposit back and know when to leave a job and don't date your coworkers. Uh, And then relationship shit, which is like, how to have the courage to fall in love and survive a breakup and handle getting your heart broken, but why that's important. Um, Then it's mind shit, which is like calming anxiety and trusting change and believing in yourself and knowing that you can curb overthinking and catastrophic thinking without completely changing yourself. And then the last stuff is life shit, like how to protect your privacy online and how to travel and vote and give to charity and get a checkup. And how, how do you tell people to vote? Just curious. Oh, okay. So I tell people to vote. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what you do, but I break down why voting matters because so many people think voting doesn't matter. And I'm like, really? Cause you do pay taxes. So if you think voting doesn't matter, I don't care if you just skip president and vote for the local stuff. But I mean, in 2020, people voted on whether or not to legalize mushrooms in the state. So maybe vote a little. Wait, <laughs> Don't in, you care? In, Cali- like, in California, y'all voted on to legalize mushrooms or not? Not in California, but a couple of years ago, we did vote on whether or not porn stars should wear condoms. That's, if you want to, that should if be. If you want to see right, porn stars wear condoms, vote. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good reason to vote. This seems By the like- way, this is coffee. This isn't vodka yet. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm drinking Gatorade. I've got a, by the way, tomorrow night, if you're listening to this, Friday night at Crazy Bull Macon, Georgia, Creed Fisher. We had him on the show last week. Y'all come out. It's a Raising Grace production. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, no, no, I'm going to be drinking enough whiskey the next Good. day or two. So we're, we're doing Good. Gatorade right now. <laughs> uh, I always hydrate okay. beforehand. Um, I, lo- I love that because I say all the time that kids are just not taught especially our last two years in high school, we're not taught the shit that we need to be taught to be adults. No, we're not. We're, we're taught how to dissect a frog, but not how to operate our own healthcare system or get a checkup or why blood work matters or what age to do certain screenings. Why did I have to dissect a frog if nobody actually taught me about biology for myself? Uh, you're a very smart young lady. <laughs> Uh, Thank you. I, I do. Uh, I still have people that write checks for me because I hate writing checks. I didn't learn how to write a check until I was probably 24, 25. But uh, did you learn how to open a high yield savings account? No, I didn't. Not till that's recently. The f- that's the first chapter in my book. Is So the reason that this book came about is when the pandemic hit, I started doing what felt like an endless round of Zoom happy hours with friends. And... All of those Zoom happy hours devolved into one, at least one person on the call being like, I don't know how to do this. Like, <laughs> I'm furloughed. How do I do my taxes without being able to go to an accountant or, or send it to my parents? How do I stay afloat when I'm not making any money? How do I get a job? How do I redo my resume? How do I... And then it's like the relationship stuff. Like, how do I f- date and survive a breakup when I can't go out and drink at a bar. <laughs> like, Tinder. 
Right. How do I handle anxiety when I'm stuck inside and can't go see a therapist? There are so many things where we had these conversations and I was like, how on earth did I get through life this far? And how did all of us, all of my friends are going through at least something. And I'm like, there was no manual. We got a diploma, but we didn't get a manual. And I went to a really great school. I grew up outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland. And it was one of like the top 10 school districts in the country. We did archery in public school gym class. We learned to do all of this random stuff. I played volleyball. I played a ton of sports, but I never learned mental health. I never learned how to calm anxiety. I never learned how to stop overthinking. I didn't learn. So I put like, there's a calm anxiety chapter in the book that has five techniques. It's not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not substituting therapy, but in the moments where you're just like overwhelmed and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like five minutes before a job interview, for example, just a couple techniques you can go and try. But why did we, we focus so much on the random physical health. Everyone knows how to run. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Cause I was one of those kids that had mental health issues and didn't know until it was too late that I had mental health issues. And, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, it should be something that is normalized and talked about over and over and over again, that if you don't feel all right, you're not crazy. It's all right to not feel that way, but Hey, let's talk to a counselor. Let's, let's, let's get you on the right path. Right. And there's absolutely no shame in it. And I, there's a chapter in the book that's about figuring out the difference between sadness and depression. Yes. Sadness. And, and what happened in my opinion is 20 years ago. Nobody talked about depression. No. Depression was like a taboo word. Like, don't discuss it. It's a horrible word. Oh, my God, you're depressed. We can't look at you. You're like, we'll, we'll commit you right now. And then it swung pendulum swing the other way where depression is used all of the time as a word to describe sadness. Like, oh, my God, Game of Thrones ended. I'm so depressed. No, you're not. <laughs> you're sad. <laughs> First off, you're not depressed. when Game of Thrones <laughs> did end, I was depressed because I was so pissed <laughs> at how they ended that series. Yeah. yeah I, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. Uh, There's a lot of series where I'm like, that's the end? Yeah, they, they really butchered that. Oh, God. But no, you're, you're right. There is a huge difference in being sad and being depressed. And I think you're right. 20 years ago, if you go to a counselor, they'd have been like, oh, it's okay. You're just sad. You got a bad home life. Get your shit together. But yeah. but now I am glad there's been so many people that have opened up, and maybe it will get normal one day. I don't think uh, I don't think we're far off from it either. I think that it's where yeah. school systems are really really trying now to deal with it and watch for kids. But also too, I think it's there's a fine line that doesn't need to be crossed there to where you just all of a sudden start diagnosing everybody with depression and anxiety and mental health issues. I don't want that to be, I'm all about not taking medication. Uh, yes. And I'm scared that with it becoming less taboo, that it's going to start becoming an over-medicated country when it comes to our kids as far as mental health goes. That's my exact fear as well, is as we start saying things like Game of Thrones ended and I'm super depressed, depression will almost become extremely normalized and people who are experiencing a week or two of sadness, a week or two of being down will think that they are depressed, go to a doctor. And my fear is that we're landing into a society where you go to that doctor and they go, cool, here's Zoloft or here's some sort of medication because it's just 
they want a quick answer. I was, I was diagnosed with a, a autoimmune disease when I was in my mid twenties that took years to diagnose because I was going doctor to doctor to doctor. And I think over the course of a year or two, I went to 25 doctors and half of them spent five minutes with me, didn't know what was wrong and wrote me a prescription to get me out of the office so that they could go to the next patient. They're there for the money. The doctors that helped me are the ones who spent half an hour, an hour with me and were like, have you tried yoga? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And now there is one medication that helps, but most of what I do is a lifestyle change. Yeah. Doctors didn't, most doctors were like, well, I have a prescription pad. It's the only weapon in my toolbox. I don't know how to use anything else. So that's what we're going to do. Well, I I got lucky. Uh, I'm hard headed as hell. So when my, uh, when my depression got real bad and I tried to commit suicide in 2010, I went to a doctor after it. They gave me whatever bullshit they gave me. I don't remember, but I've always had a huge personality when I've been happy. So I like my highs are super high. My lows are fucking rock bottom. And, uh, I took it for a little while and I hated that the way it made me feel. So I do what I did, uh, as I started looking into other forms of therapy. And I found something, and I wish, because I've said it so many times on this show and throughout my life in the past 10 years, uh, I wish I could go back and find this. But I found an article one time, and it said that when you feel your depression coming on, that you dive into something that you can do by yourself, that you don't have to depend on another person to do. It could be coloring, but find something that you can do by yourself that is just freeing. That you can sit there, that you can put your mind to ease, that you can relax, that you don't think about anything else in the world at the time besides that crayon and that paper. Print. I didn't do coloring. Uh, I, I started playing golf, and I think that just made it fucking worse. Uh, but Yeah, golf looks really frustrating. Oh, my God. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's horrible. But when you're relaxed out there, it, it's awesome. I did other things, too, but... It's finding something yeah. that ignites you, that, yeah. that brings you back to you. And I was on, I, I, don't, I don't mean to bash spe- very specific medications here, but what they diagnosed me at one point with fibromyalgia, which I'm not positive was what I had, and I still am not positive is what this is. I think it's just a generic autoimmune term that people have become using just to, they've started using it just to sort of trash can, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Here you go. And they put me on a medication. At the time, I wasn't having any mental symptoms that went along with this other than frustration of not being diagnosed. What it was, was I was having extreme physical nerve, like something would happen in my body. Like I would get a headache and a headache would last five days or I would get a runny nose and a runny nose would last months. And it's overactive nerves. And so they put me on a medication that calmed the nerves in my body, but it also calmed all of my emotions. So I I didn't feel sad at all, but I didn't feel anything. And I wasn't having the mental aspect of what that medication treated. So I was getting the mental ramifications of it without having anything diagnosable to start with. And I was like, no, no, th- this isn't going to work. It did calm my nerves. It let me go to the gym and run 40 miles without feeling anything. But it didn't, it did too much. And I found out that medication is not the answer in every scenario. 
Well, uh, just so you know, you can bash whatever medicine you want on this show because uh, I believe in uh, morals over money, and I will not ever take a dollar from Big Pharma. I mean, I say that. No. I've always said I don't know how much money it would take for me to sell out, but I'd like to find out. Uh, but they're not knocking <laughs> on my—they're not knocking on my door right now. But I, I don't—I don't believe in Big Pharma. I don't—I believe that there's more people now that are sick than there was a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. And the only thing that's really come around is instead of really treating things in the basic way and letting it play itself out, now we have to medicate every damn issue. And I, I feel like that's, it's just horrible for every, everything. Yeah. And I think there are certain people who medication does help. It's just shouldn't be the first plan. Amen. It can be plan B. It can be plan C, but maybe we try meditation. Maybe we try yoga. Maybe we try finding something that brings you back to you. I love traveling. If I'm starting to feel very anxious in my life and very like, I, I can't sleep or I can't, you know, I'm starting to get more physical symptoms of anxiety. I take a break. I will take a mental health day and I will go and travel somewhere. I will find a, a one day, two day getaway, something like that. Or I will go abroad and really power down. I literally just did that. Uh, things had, excuse me, things in the past month uh, have got really, really big with the podcast. And I've been working my ass off since October, since it started, uh, uh, since I came from my previous job in radio. And let me tell you, last week, going on the road, I, I recorded two shows on the road. But while being out on the road, I got it reset. Like, I got, I, I started feeling like me again. And I, it was because I just got hit with some some honesty, some truth along the way, and this kind of figuring out, you know, what I initially started this as that it needed to get back to it um, and some levels of it. And uh, I'm telling you, I was, I was feeling nothing but anxiety and kind of like overwhelmed before the trip. Uh, it, it did wonders for me. So I would have never and thought it, traveling was like that until last week. Oh, traveling is incredible. It's, it's an escape. It, it resets you like, like turning off a computer and turning it back on and then suddenly it works again. Like that's what you're doing when you travel is you're turning yourself off. And then when you come back, you turn yourself back on again and you're so much more productive. But the issue that I have with that is in America, we get about two weeks vacation Yeah, and people will work their ass off the other 50 weeks. And there's a concept that a mentor taught to me a few years ago called emptying your trash can. And if you take, like picture a waste basket and you're putting tissues in it, you're putting tissues in it, you're putting tissues in it. And if you're like the best person in the world, you take the trash out. But like, if you're like me, you squish it down and you wait until it's at the bottom and then you put more tissues in it and then you squish it down and then you put more tissues in it and you squish it down and you only empty it out if it's absolutely necessary. And that's maybe once in a while. And that's what vacation is, is we're filling up our trash can, emptying it out, just to start filling it back up again. And it's not all the stress of work. It's somebody cut you off in traffic. You dropped a glass and you broke it. You're paying a bill late. You're procrastinating, making that dental appointment for the past six months. Like all those little things are just a tissue in your trash can that you're just squishing down. Being like, well, I don't have time to think about that right now. I'll get back to it later. I can't think about it. 
deal with it another day, another time. All of that is just building up your trash can. And then you go on vacation. You're like, ah, finally, this is so great. And then you come back and you start refilling your trash can. If you took the trash out a little bit each day, a little bit each week, the vacation would still feel good, but it wouldn't be necessary. I love your analogy with that. But me being the trashiest son of a bitch alive, uh, it doesn't work for me. But I appreciate it. Uh, I, I completely appreciate that. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. It's uh, I got a buddy. He uh, literally every. It's almost like clockwork, dude. We'll know when he's in a funk because we just won't hear from him for a while. But he doesn't give himself any time to to live. And to experience life. All he thinks about is work, 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 work. He gets overwhelmed. And then every once in a while, he'll take a couple of days for himself. But then it seems like the next week, he's right back to himself. And yeah, that just doesn't work. Because all he's doing is filling up the trash can. Yeah. If he like sat outside for 10 minutes a day, left his phone inside, maybe brought a book and read a chapter or just sat and listened to birds, like 10 minutes he might feel like himself a little bit longer. And I'm sure you've got a book you can recommend to them right now that they can take Maybe. Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's not out for another month. Right. You know what's funny? <laughs> uh, after talking to you and Gabrielle, if y'all knew what a bad student I was and how much I despise reading. Uh, oh, I'm a horrible. I hate reading. I'm a horrible student. Yeah. It, it, it. it just tickles me that two of the shows I've done here lately have been with uh, authors. And it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on in my life right now? How did I get put in this situation? I keep telling people I'm an unintentional author. I My day job is I make television. I make stuff people watch. I make broadcast commercials. Oh, that's so cool. I'm, a, I'm a producer. I make visuals. I never read. I spend all day watching TV and then... When I'm done with work, I go watch TV. I am not a person who likes sitting around and I'll, I'll read a couple books a year, maybe. But I was the kid who hated school, found every reason to get out of class and skipped quite often. And I graduated high school at 17. I went, I didn't want to go to college. I really fought my parents to go to college. And I was like, let me just take a year. Let me move to LA. Let me live that LA dream or travel around the world. I was like, I'm not going to school. And my parents made a deal with me. They were like, mm, try the opposite. Go to college for one year. And if you truly hate it, leave. But at least if you ever decide to go back, you have one year under your belt. I went to college for one year. And I talked to the guidance counselor at the end of the year. And I was like, how do I get out of here as quickly as possible? And they gave me a piece of paper that literally had the path to graduate in three years. And I was like, great, done. And I did it. I was like, I hate this. I'm done. I don't want to do this ever again. What school did you go to in Florida? UCF, Central Florida. Okay. Just just curious. I didn't know if he was one of them Seminoles. Oh, no. No, and honestly, like, I went to that school because it had a good film program. And I, I really thought, like, I was going to love school because it's film and it's what I want to do. Class is class. Sitting and reading a textbook is reading a textbook. It's not fun for me, at least, it's not fun regardless of the topic. It wouldn't be fun for me either. If somebody would have told me I had to uh, go to a communications class or get a communications degree or whatever it would be before I started working in radio, uh, 
I, I couldn't have done it. And plus, I don't believe, honestly, you want to know the truth, I don't believe the people that go and get those degrees ever end up being worth a damn at radio or television. It's, no. u- it's usually the people that learn by life. I still don't believe my degree is worth the money I spent on it. I think I could have gotten a film degree from this school or likely most schools for a Netflix subscription and a library card. All we did was watch movies and analyze them. I could do that. Shit I can now. do that on my own. <laughs> yeah, that uh, seems like my type of class there. Uh, <laughs> I, I might have been good at that one. Um, when they do my uh, when they do my documentary one day, you're gonna have to be the one who does it now. Now I've got a connection. Yeah, Gabriella, Gabrielle and I will will hook up and do that together. We'll uh, we'll make you look good. Don't worry. Y'all gonna have to have a lot of makeup and uh, other things. We're gonna have to hide a lot of facts, black some stuff out to make to make me look good. <laughs> um, so, what's some other things as far as the book goes? That if you were trying to grab somebody's attention that's listening right now, that is on the fence about you know should I should I listen should I not I mean should I read it or should I not? What's well, the, so we're talking about we're talking about how much we hate reading, right? Yeah, like. Genuinely, not the person to, I will go a year to get through a book. I'll pick it up, put it down. So that's how I wrote this. Every chapter is bite-sized. It is four pages-ish, three, four pages. There's some that are five, some that are two. The whole purpose of this is you're not going to need everything today. There's no scenario where you need all 96 chapters in your life right now. The purpose of the book is pick it up. Find a chapter that matters and will make your life better right now, and then put it on a shelf. Come back to it when you need it. Come back to it when you're like, shit, I don't know how to navigate this one thing. And <laughs> if I Google it right now, I'm going to go into page four or five on Google before I get an answer. The reason I did it is I thought the internet and Google would be faster. I thought it would be better than going to a book, but I end up reading 15 articles before I find an answer. And I want someone to just give me the answer. It's called going down the rabbit hole, darling. It happens. Yes, it and happens it happens every time. Every time. And any little topic, I'm like, like, you know how recipes now, when you go online for a recipe, they first have to tell you about their grandmother and how they grew up and <laughs> <laughs> how they they have to give you a 15-page monologue about yes. how they spent their childhood with their grandmother every Sunday making this recipe before you ever get to how much butter you need. I don't like that that's become Google. If I have to find an answer, I go through five or six or seven links, reading, skimming all of them, using the find key to find the word I need. I needed something faster. So I wrote it. (laughs) I I put it all in a book and I was like, I don't want anybody to think that they can't find the answer, but I also don't want them to have to spend too long looking. Two, three pages, read it, you're done. Uh, same thing happened to me last night. I like making stupid videos. Uh, like it's, it's like a little, I don't know what you call it. It's a hobby of mine. So I like to take two things that are completely opposite and put together into a funny context. So like on TikTok last night, there was this, uh, there's this structure. It's called like the love structure that you put in your bedroom or whatever. It's for people who are wild (laughs) in the bedroom. But I'm immature as hell. Like, I am 33, but I am a man-child. So the first thing that came through my mind was when I saw this structure 
was uh, gymnastic fails. Because I, <laughs> I could see myself 30 minutes after it's assembled trying to swing back and forth from each bar. <laughs> so then I went down this rabbit hole of uh, gymnastic male fails. And it took me an hour to find the one I wanted. But it was just where if... I know this is completely two opposite things, but no, now that's the second, the second we're hanging up with this. That's what I'm going to go Google. I know, I'll send you the actual video I made. It's hilarious. Please I, do. No, it got took off of TikTok Cause it said it went against community guidelines. Don't know why, but it was, it was <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's just, I wanted a direct answer and, it, and I know, like I said, completely opposite of what you're talking about, but it's when we go down those rabbit holes, we end up even veering away from what we originally were had in our mind anyway. So you having direct answers for some of the things that a lot of people are looking for right now, especially young. I could have used your book, especially you've made this chapters very short. I could have used your book hella a lot back in my early twenties. That was the whole purpose is I want it to be, the generation below me, like I'm 31, you're 33, the generation below us is almost exclusively raised off Google. And so they're going to be used to digging pages and pages into Google to find an answer because that's what they've done. Like when we were kids, we didn't know how to spell a word and somebody would say, go look it up. And I'm like, I don't know how to look it up. I don't know how to spell it. Thank God for text to talk. <laughs> everybody, right? would, yeah, everybody would think I was a complete dumbass more than they already think I am one if it was not for text to talk. I still don't know how to spell very simple words. Same. I don't think I'll ever, I will die before I learn how to spell convenience. Don't ask Can't me. Can't do it. My nine-year-old it. thinks it's funny because she's in gifted. Uh, all the time, she'll be asking me to spell shit. And she's like, Dad, you're a moron. Her favorite one is to do is giraffe. She asked me, all because I can't get giraffe right to save my life. Is there, there's like a lot of F's or E's or something. I don't know. There's a lot of IDK's in it is what I said to her. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, they're just certain words. They're, they're they make harder no sense. than they should be. You yeah. Know, you know that they say, though, those people that cannot spell and have extremely sloppy handwriting, extremely intelligent. Oh, well, then I'm the smartest person you know. Me and you. <laughs> uh, you, you grew up in Florida, you said? Grew up in Maryland. I'm Maryland. Nah, I don't think yeah. any of my family's ever been to Maryland. I'm thinking that me and you, there's a lot of twinning going on. Are your eyes blue? I have one blue, one green. Ah, you're evil. <laughs> hey, you're, you're, you're definitely evil. People say weird things because there's like a thing about redheads, right? That we, we do that respond differently. Yeah. We respond differently to, to pain and, and morphine. It's true. I did have morphine one time in the the ER and it didn't work. Uh, they gave me something called like Decatron or something. It sounded like a transformer. It almost killed me. Uh, I got my, really? I got my appendix took out probably about six, seven years ago. And when I woke up, I was already septic and didn't know cause I'm a dumbass and didn't want to go to the hospital. I thought I was just constipated. Uh, but no, it my appendix ruptured. They take me to the hospital and after surgery, they wake me up after they cleaned me out and all this stuff. And the morphine had such a negative effect on me that I woke up and I was throwing up uncontrollably to the point to where all the blood vessels in my eyes busted. And they had to put me back asleep because they were scared I was going to start like throwing up blood and rupture something. 
it, oh my god! Yeah, it did. It did not. It did not go well with me. I didn't know that redheads didn't handle morphine well. We don't handle morphine well. I was. Uh, I had a surgery as well, and they gave me morphine, and I got this immediate like electric surge through my body. Like my skin turned bright red. I got this surging headache. And then they, they were like, okay, has it passed? And I was like, I think it's passed. And then they went to like touch me. And I was like, I can feel everything. Like everything is painful. Your touch is like a surge of electricity. I was like, I cannot, morphine does not work. We're like super crackheads. <laughs> yeah. Anesthesia doesn't work either. Oh no, anesthesia knocks my ass out now. Hey, I'm, I'm done. I did local anesthesia at a dermatologist one time. I had like a little bump on my arm that they were taking off and they gave me like a normal amount of shots. And she went and she used a little scalpel thing. I was like, by the way, I can feel everything you're doing. She goes, oh, right. You're a redhead. I got to give you twice as much. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, no, we handle, we handle things differently. And not always good, by the way. No. <laughs> do you have, we're trouble. Do you have a temper? <laughs> at times. But... My temper, I think, is different than a lot of other people's. How's that? Because my my temper is um, very calculated. That <laughs> sounds horrible. You, <laughs> but <laughs> you're definitely ended up on an episode of Snapped. No, yeah. no, but I used to binge watch Snapped, and when I was in college, I used to love watching Snapped. I'm telling you, you just went on the FBI's most watch list because you're a redhead, <laughs> and you said that your anger is calculated. Oh, you're definitely yeah. murdering somebody. I was going to tell you, <laughs> you, you, your husband, boyfriend, whatever, y'all come to Georgia sometime, but y'all can keep that shit over there on the other side no. of the country. No, no. Uh, I'm not like murdery trouble. Uh, but, um, what's your I mean, I, I, I will tell you, like, my brother and I would torture each other in really specific ways. So if he pissed me off, I would. I would set his uh, his clock forward an hour so that when he went to bed and set his alarm, he'd wake up an hour earlier than he had to. Like I would prank him in very, very specific ways so that he would get in trouble or he would his life would be inconvenienced. I'm not the person that's going to scream or yell, but I am the person that's going to make your life a little bit harder because you pissed me off. Oh, yeah. You're that, you're that chick from Gone Girl. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's a great movie oh great book god i hate it <laughs> i hate it so bad because i can see it so easily happening to me because of my choice in women like i, I can oh, i like, like the gone girls i like the toxic ones that can ruin your life unfortunately oh no stop doing that i'm trying that's how the hell i ended up on gabrielle's show yeah yeah, yeah. that was a good episode yeah i heard a lot of a lot of people seem to have this cycle of toxicity because they they like the drama. I don't like the drama. We're, I like the fun part of it. The yeah. The drama is not for me, but everything else is for me. I've dated several previous or current addicts in my life. And yeah, there, there's the fun part of that where there's like the spontaneous, fun, over you know, down for anything. Yeah, that gets me. And then like the passion side of it. I, oh yeah, the passion side of it is passion, very attractive. Passion side of somebody toxic. I'm not just talking about like in the bedroom. I'm talking about this overall, the passion that a toxic person just fucking puts out there is stupid. Because then you get with a healthy person and you're bored. Bored as hell. 
knowing that, yeah. knowing that they're good for you. Right. And the whole time you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like I would go on a date with somebody what, back when I was like on the apps and stuff. I would go on dates with people and I would be like, you are probably the best person out there for me. And I have no desire to ever see you again. Because <laughs> you know how fucking <laughs> boring they're going to be. I can see every conversation we'll ever have and I don't want any part of that. No, no, no. Well, you're <laughs> going to want me to sit there and you're going to want... <laughs> For us to go get just wine and a cheese board and we're just supposed to sit there and enjoy ourselves but the whole time i'm like fuck this let's take shots of tequila and see where we right. end up yeah but if by date one or two i can see the entire relationship and know that we're going to go to the same three restaurants for the rest of our lives i have no desire to keep dating you that's why you just don't take them to restaurants <laughs> i want the person who at like two o'clock in the morning is like hey do you want in and out let's go <laughs> what what's in and out oh Burger place. I don't even know if they're open at 2 a.m., but it was just a ah, no, sample. We, we have Huddle House. Ooh, what is that? Oh, Huddle House is the trashiest, bestest thing God ever gave Southerners. Uh, it is a all night long. Uh, you can get waffles. You can get uh, everything, like patty melts. Usually people get breakfast food there. But it is cooked by usually uh, people with no teeth um that have been imprisoned in and out of their lives or have drug problems but let me tell you they can fry some fucking eggs and you're talking about waffle house no huddle house <laughs> y'all some places have waffle houses but we have mm. huddle houses okay yeah i i don't think i've ever had a waffle house in a sober scenario you're not supposed to it's it's frowned upon to eat it sober yeah I would I would agree with that, but I I can't tell you if what I think, I can't tell you what it tastes like because every moment that I've been there, it's the best food you've ever had, but it has nothing to do with the food. I have a scar on my lip, rest of my life, because I was shit faced. I left a bar. We went to a Waffle House, and for some reason, my dumb ass wanted a baked potato from Waffle House. Bit into that <laughs> son of a bitch as soon as they put it on the table, and it uh <gasps> it, it burnt me. Oh no! That's me, horrible. It burnt me bad. Uh, well, you you went to school in Florida though, so you know how wild it can get down this way. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but that's the fun of it, right? Uh, yeah. If you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna go to college and not make a couple mistakes, can you even say you went to college? No, I went to college and almost exclusively made mistakes. Me and you. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the other side of the country because me and you would get each other in a whole lot of trouble. Probably. Yeah. The, the problem with college in Florida is a, it's sunny half the time or it's raining half the time. Both of those are excuses not to go to class and to go do something else. And th those are the excuses I took. Uh, yeah. And then, um, there's this other thing about the time you get 21, it's called alcohol. And, uh, yes. By the time you get 21, of course, never drink before that. Yeah. Cause that's this, not what we do down here at all. We do not encourage irresponsible drinking or underage. No, drinking. never drink underage. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. It's sort of ridiculous that it's 21. I mean, I wrote a book for people who are in their early 20s, and I'm like, if you have to handle all of this stuff, being an adult is really hard. If you've got to figure out all this stuff to be an adult, you're going to want to drink. At least a little bit. Do you have an article or a chapter in your book about drinking? I don't, because I think you don't need any guidance on that. Uh, I think 
I got it. I'm writing it and I'm putting it in your book. Uh, yeah. It's just going to say, uh, don't. Okay. Unless you're good at it. Unless you're good at it. And college is the experience to figure out whether or not you're good at it. Yeah. Or your or your 20s. I feel like at some point there's going to be a phase where you're like, "Oh, I'm not good at this. I got to stop." That's what I said about uh trying to get married. Oh yeah? Yeah, I've never been married. I've never done that. I'm I I think marriage is supposed to be considered different than what normal people think it is. So like I don't believe in supposed to. You don't believe in supposed to. I don't believe it's supposed to. I was with somebody for nine years. Yeah. We never got married. Uh, we met in college and were together from when I was 19 to a month before I turned 28. Um, yeah, I don't believe in this is how we're supposed to do it. I I think as a girl, I was raised to believe that like marriage is the thing. Like It's the goal. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. Why? I'm, I mean, I'm down to throw a really cool party. I like presents. But I don't get the, for me, it, it's never really added up to like, why is that different than a, another relationship? Well, I don't I, need a piece of paper. Well, I think, I think social media has fucked so much of this up. But like our grandparents, I want somebody like what our grandparents had to where mine was together 60, 70 years. And yeah, mine too. Like, I love that. But if unless I know that I'm going to be with somebody for six, 70 years and we're not going to end up on Snap like you are one day, <laughs> uh, then I'm I'm just good with kind of just being a hoe or whatever. I like my hoe phase or whatever it's called is just going to be there until it's not. I just don't like the idea that somebody else has to tell me what a relationship should look like. Like, you're supposed to date for a couple of years, you got to get engaged, you got to get married, then you have to have kids. Why? Why does it have to be like that? My boyfriend and I currently are looking at buying a house together. We're not married. We put in an offer last week to buy a house. It, it's not... But do you see y'all getting married, though? It's a possibility, but I don't need it to be, like, a linear order of things. Uh, I don't okay. need it to be, this you. is how you. things happen, this is how it's supposed to be, you've got to do this, then this, then this. I don't... See, I'm not I'm buying... Like, I'm definitely not buying property with nobody unless we're fit to get married, though. Because that, that, uh, that seems very messy. <laughs> uh, I want to do a, a contract. I'm calling it a pre-escrow or pre-scrow uh, to figure out if life ever goes askew. Who gets the house? <laughs> or Or what happens, essentially, if, you know... We don't stay together. We sell the house and we split the profits. We're going in on it 50 50. Uh, this is messy. It's, yeah. Things I, are messy. Life is messy. It's yeah. a bad idea, but. I, I'll be sure to look out for your next book about what not to do when purchasing a home. Yeah, but things are messy because 50% of marriages end. And I would bet a good portion of those people had houses together. Yeah, but. Life can you're get right. messy. Oh, you're, you don't... Right. you're right. You're right. You're right. Why make? I, I would say why make decisions because it could get messy, or don't make decisions because it could get messy. That Things I... are gonna get messy. Just plan for them. I love that, and that's how we'll end the show. But I want you to drop your <laughs> social media stuff beforehand. Uh, and yeah. Tell them when the book's coming out, and the name of the book, and all that good shit again. Absolutely. So the name of the book is "Shit Adults Never Taught Us." You can find the Instagram. It's the same shit. Adults never taught us. And it's dropping mid-April. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Miss Natasha, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm glad I had you. And uh, I look forward to uh, reading your book. I'm going to get a copy to put in the studio so I can uh, figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing with my life at 33. <laughs> so, uh, no one knows. That's the point. That's right. This will be the real chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, with <laughs> a lot of profanity. Love it. It's right up my alley. Well, thank you, and thank all y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast. We will catch you next time.